Welcome to the Calvary Baltimore Weekly Sermon. Calvary meets in the Joppa Falston area between Baltimore and Bel Air, and our pastor is Josh Plantholt. Come join us on a Sunday. Our service info is at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. It's not my wish, but it is my prayer that you will have a wonderful new year. Not necessarily a happy new year, because that's an incidental things, but I hope you have a blessed new year, that you get to know God as never before, which leads me to a liability warranty here. It says that, warning, if you're not born again, this may cause confusion. The preaching this morning, it may cause confusion and a desire for salvation. So that's the ultimate thing. We want to draw you away from confusion bring you closer to Jesus Christ, and give the opportunity of a new life. And we're going to do that this whole year. We're going to represent Jesus Christ and Him crucified so that you will have life eternal. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. The Gospel of John, chapter 6. Either your phone or your Bible. Whichever works for you. And by the way, just on a side note, Mr. Mark Traeger is celebrating his 66th birthday. (laughs) He's one of our teachers at the, the Home Fellowship, and he's one of the musicians at the Sunday School, and we just appreciate you very much, Mark, for all you do. Thank you. John chapter 6, and we start reading at verse 30. John 6 at verse 30. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses didn't give you this bread, but my Father, which is in heaven, gave you the true bread from heaven. And the bread of God, that he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of who he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last days. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Father, bless this word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. It's clear that Jesus said that, Father, the ones that you have given me, I want them to be with me in eternity. 
Folks, but in order to get there, we have to accept Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you today. The bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Okay. Bread is the synonym for sustenance. Throughout scripture, the bread has been speaking about support, nourishment, strength. Manna came down from heaven for 38 years in the desert. 38, 40 years, whatever. And it came there because of God gave it to the people. Not because the people were so nice. They were so spiritual. They were so devout. They were so ready to walk into eternity. No, nothing like that at all. But nevertheless, God gave them manna to eat. And we just in our devotion and prayer meeting, we got re, uh, reminded of Joshua 5.12 where God says, And as soon as they eat, ate the produce of the land, the manna stopped coming. There was a provision made for the people. The produce of the land, they dug the soil, they planted the seed, the seed grew and it gave them a profitable harvest. And soon as the harvest was there, God says, I can stop now giving them the manna. There are a lot of transitions in our life where God is working in various ways. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the sustenance of life. Folks, your life and my life doesn't mean a hill of beans without Jesus Christ. My dog is better off than my wife if I have not Christ. Because she can take care of herself, but my dog depends on me. Your fish depends on you. Your cat depends on you. Your, your, your tortoise, your, your whatever, your bugs depend on your presence. If you're not there, everything falls apart. Folks, if Christ is not there, our life falls apart. Our marriages fall apart. Our families fall apart. Our jobs fall apart. Our health falls apart. Our vision falls apart. If Christ is not with us, we are doomed. Now, I don't want to end up with that note, so I'll preach another 20 minutes in order to to catch up with that. And so... Christ proclaims that he is the bread of life. He is the sustenance, not so much for the body, but for the soul. The soul finds its value, its completion, its overflowing fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Why? Because he made you. Is that simple? He made you. His fingerprints are all over you. You are his, he said in Isaiah 43, 1. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Now, does that keep us with him? Does that keep us faithful? No, the spirit of this world is messing about and is trying to rob us from the peace and the joy and the fellowship with him and with the spirit and with one another. There is always something going on, isn't there? And when you think they got the finances in order, somebody else gets sick. And when you think the sickness is finally done, then you have lost your job. And when you think, well, I'll got my job again, then you total your car. And when you total your car and you get a new car, then you have more gray hairs and you wish you were 10 years younger. There is always something. 
We just filled the whole year 2022 with something that deteriorates the human happiness. Why? Because we all got a year older. I was 5'9 at the beginning of 1st January 2022. Now I'm 5'8. Next year I'll be 5'7. Before you know it, I can walk on my nose. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus understands our predicament. Why? Because he became a man. He became a man and he was tested and challenged as we are without sinning. He was the only one that did not sin where you and I would fall and fail wholeheartedly. He did not sin. And therefore he could become the perfect sacrifice. Now, when we think of these things, Jesus said, he who believes in him, John 3, 18, John says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Folks, if there is one thing that we all desire as Christians is that you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, that you get to know him. Not in a forceful way, not in a manipulative way, but in a way that he becomes precious to you. That he becomes more dear than your husband, more dear than your wife, more dear than your children. Because he understands you and your family and your kids and your job and your age and your health. He understands all of that stuff. But he wants to be number one. He wants to draw you close to the eternal is of God's presence. That's the only thing he came to do. He only needed three years to do that. And look at us. 2023, we are still here because he was there for three years. I wish I had that production pro uh, problem. I do something for three years and 2,000 years later, they still talk about me. That is not going to happen. But Jesus Christ turned the world upside down. Now, we need this life-giving bread in various circumstances. Why? Why? Because we need to know God in many various circumstances. It is not good to live on cloud seven or in, in a monastery and, and, and sing all day long and praise him all day long. You gotta work. You gotta take care of your family. You gotta take care of your health. You gotta take care of your finances. And you gotta take care of so many things that so many things have the tendency to rob you from the peace and the joy and the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Every day again, the monsters of life are coming and gnawing at your heart in order to distract you and to take you away from the intimacy with God and to get you preoccupied with everything under the sun but God. And so Israel got carried away. I mean, they were out of Egypt, carried away into the desert, and God gave them water, he gave them meat, he gave them manna, and it still was not enough. Sounds a little bit like our 21st century, isn't it? God provides everything, and it's still not enough. We still have a hard time dealing with the lack of things. 
The lack in families, the lack in finances, the lack in health, the lack in future, the lack in vision. We, we lack everything. We lack presidents. We lack, may, we lack mayors. We lack, you name it, we lack all of those guys. Basically because they lack something here. They lack Jesus Christ. But may, so be it. We are in this world, in this dark world, and we, and, you know, we talk about that. Oh man, these are so dark world, and these are. What do you think you're supposed to do in the darkness? Oh yeah, it's so dark. Yeah, move, 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 move. and we cry. It's so dark. Just Jesus said, "Why don't you be a light for a change? Why don't you step it up and represent me in the darkness of somebody else's life?" But in order to do that, he gives us the bread of adversity. He gives us the bread of adversity. He brings us into situations like he did with the people of Israel. He brings us in situations where they are completely depleted of their own strength, of their own goals, about their own visions, about their own ideologies, and about their own identity as a nation. They maybe have been a nation in the desert, but nobody cared. There was nobody around. And God gives them the bread of adversity. In Isaiah 30, verse 20, he says, And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Why? Because we were walking away from him. We were walking away from him. Following different doctrines. And he disciplines us and drives us back to his fellowship. And you, are you going to eat that bread? Yes, you do. The bread of life in Jesus Christ is the same bread of adversity. Christ says, I'm coming with you, but I'm going to chase you. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to drive you back to me. God didn't abandon Israel in the desert. He said, I'm going to give you bread of adversity because you're walking away. And what happens when you eat the bread of adversity? You walk back. You come back to the one that gives you sustenance and life. The things that God does to us is never to harm us, but always to drive us closer. But it is us that's the problem. We have a whole year ahead of us with so many challenges, with so many uh, seductions and so many avenues to walk away that God says, I'm going to probably give you a slice of the bread of adversity. Why? Because I want you close. I don't want you to wander away, wander away to riches, wander away to health uh, ideas and gurus and whatever you have that distract you. Sports is wonderful, but I don't want them to walk you away from my intimacy and my fellowship. I'm going to give you the bread of adversity. And as soon as you ate it, you will understand that I need you to be with me. Jesus said it in John 6. Jesus said it in John 17. Father, the ones that you have given me, I want them to be with you and with me in eternity. Talk about a pre-planned trip. You all have a ticket from Jesus Christ to travel to eternity. And the arrival is already agreed upon. It's already a done deal. 
It's just the way to get there with as little trouble as possible. But uh, humans as we are, we'll mess up. We'll wander. We listen to false doctrines. We listen to all these kinds of people and we think that we're going to do God a favor. And God says, I don't want all of that stuff. I gave Israel feast after feast after feast. I gave him food. I gave him sustenance. I gave him protection. And you know what? All of Israel didn't amount to a hill of beans when Jesus came. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. That's after 2,000 years of Jewishness. They didn't make it. They didn't get it. Well, 2,000 years of Gentileness after that. We still struggle. We have a hard time with staying faithful and staying true and staying close to the one that loves us. The other thing that is um, a problem in many ways is that when there is no bread available, Sometimes you wonder, and you say, is there any help here? And you may feel like Jeremiah, who's thrown in the mud pit. Let me read it to you. In Jeremiah 38, 9, My Lord the King, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. He spoke the truth, and the people hated him. So what they do? They dump him in a mud pit, where he's about to drown. And then there's... Ebed Melech, the servant of the king, talks to the king and says, those friends of yours have almost killed Jeremiah without you knowing it. And the king said, take some robes, pull them out. <coughs> and the, 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 the servant said, whom they have cast into the dungeon and it is likely to die from hunger in a place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Ain't that something? Then when there is no testimony of Jesus Christ, when there is no sustenance, when there is nothing going on, and you think all is lost, God doesn't hear my prayers, I have no Bible here, I only feel sick and I'm ready to die almost, then all of a sudden Ebed Melech shows up and he says to the king, Jeremiah, he's in the pit, take him out. A friend of a friend is coming to you and he says, I'm going to take you out, Jeremiah. God has his people all over the world. Christianity is not just five people in this church. Christianity is having God, having his people all over the world. And it, it was so stunning to, to read this that, that the writer says, there is no bread in the city, but there is a person. There is a person ready to serve you in your deepest needs. When you don't feel God is there, when you don't feel Jesus is there, when all your prayers end up to the ceiling and you feel left alone, all of a sudden, Ebed Melech shows up and he says, we're going to take you out because you're not deserving this pit. That's how God works with us. You get a phone call from somebody. You meet somebody on the street. Somebody comes to you and says, I want to pray for you. 
I want to pray with you. Is there anything we can do for you? And you all of a sudden feel you're not alone anymore. You're not lost. There is somebody listening to you. There is somebody seeing you. This is the wonderful thing of going to church. Here you are struggling seven days a week as if it's a regular job. You wonder whether God listens to your prayers. You don't know whether anything is wrong in you. Oh, I may have sinned. Yeah, probably you are because you are a sinner. So nothing new there. So, and you wonder, is he going to listen to me? And you hear the message preached. And you don't know. You didn't talk to Pastor Josh. But he preaches something that answers the question that you fasted for many weeks. Because God hears. Like Jesus said to Nathaniel, I see you. I see you. I see you under the tree. You, you may be rebellious and angry and you may curse God and heaven and everything else under the sun. But I'll see you. Because you can curse up a storm and God says, I am not affected by it. Because my love is eternal. Your love is just temporal and dusty. My love will never leave you nor forsake you. Never, never, never. Then we have this other thing. When God weans us off our idols. <laughs> That's something that we don't like. But it's called in Ezekiel 24 and in Luke, uh, Leviticus 10, 1 to 6. And Moses said to Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar, his sons, do not cover your heads nor tear your clothes, tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord had kindled. What does that mean? <clears throat> well, they got a slice of the bread of sorrows. God says, I'm going to take away your idols. I'm going to take away everything that's robbing you from me. And you're not going to complain about it. The bread of sorrow says, you're not going to mourn about the ones that I take away and kill. Aaron's sons came with strange fire in the camp and God killed them. You're not supposed to come to God on the back of false gods. Simple. You're not going to go to God and say, well, I don't know Jesus and I don't need the Holy Spirit, but you and I are in a good relationship. God says, no, not at all. Nobody comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. And so, but Israel had his idols, had his worshiping false gods and his golden calves and you name it, they had it. And they ended up being so idolatrous that God turned his back on them and says, I'm going to clean you all up. And I think there is so little mourning over sin. Not the mourning of the evening, but mourning with O-U-R-N. I mourn. We sin and we think it's a normal thing to do. We break up marriages and we think it's a normal thing to do. We have problems with the teenagers and with our jobs and with our addictions, etc., etc., etc. And God says, it is sin and I want you to deal with it and stop whining about it. Don't talk about your sin in the past. Oh, I was 35 years ago, I drank alcohol. and I'm, Well, you still do. Remembering keeps it alive. God says, I made you a new creation. You're mine. You're cleansed. You're forgiven. You're a whole new person. Take on the new identity. Stop 
eating the bread of adversities, eat the bread of sorrow. Start complaining. Aaron, your sons are dead. You have two more sons. But these sons brought strange fire in the camp and I took them out. And I don't want you to mourn about it. I don't want you to mourn about sin. I don't want you to tell everybody else how evil you were, how bad your marriage was, how bad you were with finances. And you name it, God hates that kind of a memory lane. I want you to look at your two sons, your other two sons, and let them walk before me, and I will bless you. The bread of sorrow is stop whining about your sinful past. The things that God has taken away. Paul, on the other hand, says there is a bread of labor. Eat your own bread. Don't live off other people. You make your own bread. You start working and I am going to support you. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face Unto every city and place where he himself was about to go in Luke chapter 10. <laughs> I see the faces of the disciples. Oh my God. We're not bringing a staff. We're not bringing in a bag. We're not bringing extra clothes. We don't bring any food. And Jesus says, and I'm sending you to the people of Israel. They will feed you. They will clothe you. They will support you. You have to walk by faith in my kingdom. And I will provide for you. All the 70 came back and were raving about the things that God has done through their lives. Learn to walk by faith this year. Accept the fact that not everything has been worked out for you. That everything has been cooked for you. That everything has been sold for you. There is a place where you can get all of these things. But God says, I want you to walk by faith because I will take care of you. Why would I take care of you if you're so clever and do everything yourself? My ways are higher than your ways. <coughs> you, you, you're happy with a quarter? I want to give you a million. But if you're happy with a quarter, fine with me. God is not going to fight you. But if you humble yourself inside of the almighty God, he's going to help you. That's why he's here every week. That's why he's speaking to your heart. Unbeknownst to preacher that we, I don't know what's going on in your life. God knows. And so Paul says, you know, we don't eat anyone's bread, but we have bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you in 2 Thessalonians 3.8. Paul says there is a bread that we earn because of our faithfulness towards you. God has provided for us. There is the bread of life. There is the bread of adversity. There is the bread of sorrow. There are moments that there is no bread and you feel that God has disappeared. No, he has somebody else being your bread. Remember Saul, when he was cast down on the floor on, his, on the road to Damascus? <coughs> what happened? He didn't know where to go and what to do, and he ended up in the city of Damascus. And God says, Ananias, go to him. 
Ananias had the bread of life that Paul, that Saul needed in order to turn his life around. And when he received Jesus Christ in his heart, he became the apostle to the Gentiles. Hello. That's why you are here. The bread of life through the hands of Paul ended up to be here, 2023, in uh, Millstead. And you're eating that bread. God gives us all kinds of bread. Some pleasant, some hard, some, deal, uh, some hard to deal with. As in, but in the long run, it will all nourish us in all the trials and all the testings. Don't underestimate the provision of God. <coughs> he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never thirst and never hunger again. I encourage you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, embrace him. Tell him you messed up. He knows. Tell him you need him. Tell him you don't know yet what it all will work out in the future, but trust him. He will work it out for you. He loves you that much. He won't let you drop and go down. And so in the same chapter, <clears throat> Jesus wants to feed the 5,000. And Philip says, we can't do it. Andrew says, we could do it, but we only have five, fish and two, five loaves and two fishes. And here is the dilemma of our life. Every day, in your life and in my life. We run into those questions. How do I feed the circumstances? How do I feed the people? How do I supply the goods that is necessary for my marriage and for my children, for my parents? How do I, how do I, how do I run life? Jesus says, well, can you sing? Jesus will say, do you know enough Bible verses? Jesus will say, are you going to the right church? Um, have you been baptized? Nothing like that, right? Nothing of this song and dance stuff. Jesus said to the disciples, let them sit down. Let them sit down. He made the problem bigger. Because they were not leaving. <coughs> Philip didn't know how to feed them. Andrew didn't know how to solve it. Jesus says, let them sit down because I am going to provide in your need. And I think, folks, sometimes we need to sit down. We need to sit down before Jesus and say, I'm not going to get up until you've answered my prayer, until you solve this issue. I will not stay, go away. I go to my secret chamber and I will talk to you. And I will plead my case for my son, for my daughter, for my husband, for my wife. And I have five more minutes. And so the Spirit of God works in our hearts to make it work. You know, you don't have to do it alone. You never have to eat the bread of adversity. You never have to eat the bread of sorrows. You never have to eat the bread of your labor. You never have to eat these things alone. God is right there. He says, I am the bread of life while you eat the bread of adversity because I will give you life. I will give you healing. Not just physical healing. It would be great 
And, and I'm, I know many of you are seeking healing and seeking wisdom and seeking guidance in many areas and ways. And God says, I know, I know. <coughs> but I love you. And I love you. And I trust you that the testimony of you in the predicament that you're in is way much stronger than when you are all taken care of and you're Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. The bread of life is always with us. Jesus Christ is there for always for us. And so the question then is that Jesus said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. And the people asked correctly. So the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Well, it is not the flesh that we're looking for. It's the word of God. The eternal word of God that has been settled in heaven, which is the nourishment for our souls. Everything that he's written down for our edification is in this book. There's no other book needed. There's no other book necessary. There's no other book that compares with this word. The bread of life, the body of Jesus Christ has been contained in the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos with, was with God and the Logos was God. Folks, we have direct communication with the bread of life. In your situation, bring Christ in. No matter whether it's adversity, no matter whether it's sorrow, no matter whether it's leanness or hunger or thirst or whatever you go through, bring Christ in and he will supply your need. He will help you to feed. He will show you his ways. He won't give up on you. He paid the price to make it happen for you today. And if you're here this morning, and all eyes closed, let's, let's just pray. If you're here this morning, while everybody's eyes are closed, and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please do that this day. We don't know what happens tomorrow. But let Jesus Christ come into your heart and let him heal you and strengthen you and give you a new life. Father, I pray for all those that are here this morning. As we go about our business this year, that we don't walk away from you. That we don't get enticed with all the things that are so easily upset us. We pray that you bless the church and that you help us this year with your guidance and your leading Lord, to a place where we can abide 24-7. We ask you for your wisdom, Lord, for the leaders, for the servants, for all those that have been so faithfully serving this church and supporting this church. Father, we thank you that each and every one here is precious in your sight. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary, Baltimore. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your questions, prayer requests, or just to say hi. Our email address is calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to support the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. And if you're in the area, stop by on a Sunday morning. For directions and service times, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. If you can't be here in person, we also live stream on our website and on our Facebook page. 
We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Until next time, as Pastor Josh says, study the Word, to live the Word, to share the Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore Weekly Sermon.